If you're a fan of mini horror stories, stay tuned. I'm about to break down the 90s movie, Tales from the Hood. Hey guys, I'm McGann, and welcome to The Fangirl, a series that lets me relive all of my favorite childhood movies, which, yeah, Tales from the Hood would definitely fall into that category. I thought it was such a fantastic movie growing up, along with Tales from the Dark Side and Tales from the Crypt. Just slap the word Tales at the front of the title. That's all it took to make me happy, apparently. Recently, I refound this movie on Stars and was so excited to watch it again. Except this time I realized that like 90% of the movie went right over my head. Let's see, 1995, I would have been 10 when this came out. So yeah, Little McGann didn't absorb half of what this movie was about. I was just really into all that glorious, gratuitous violence. But watching this movie in 2020, it's like, wow, way to make everyone an over-the-top stereotype focus features. Alright though, maybe that's actually the charm of this movie. Who's to say. You could certainly argue that the polarizing characters are what makes you cheer for the violence in these stories. But overall, the movie is about four short stories that are all these heavy-handed metaphors for real-life issues that are masked in this thin veil of a horror movie. If you haven't seen the movie before, don't worry, I'm gonna throw out a synopsis for each segment. However, first and foremost, the movie's framing device is using these three games gangster-type guys going into a mortuary to buy drugs from Mr. Sims, who apparently just called these guys up and said, hey, I found some drugs in the alley, you want to buy them? And once the three guys get into the funeral home, well, Mr. Sims gets all weird and he starts oversharing a bunch of stories. The first story is called Rogue Cop Revelation. That's where a traffic stop turns into police brutality when they realize that the detained driver, Mr. Morehouse, is a city councilman and a black activist. One of the cops involved is African American, and while he doesn't engage in the beating, he doesn't do anything to stop it either. Instead, after learning that Mr. Morehouse died, the officer spends a year feeling extremely guilty until he lures the white officers to Morehouse's grave, where the audience then gets to witness death by decapitation ball grabbing, which side note, but this is such an underused method of killing someone in a film. And then the final death is being absorbed into a painting so that that officer can presumably suffer for eternity? I'm not sure. But the black cop who didn't do enough to stop his fellow officers when they were killing Mr. Morehouse, he ends up going crazy and getting blamed for all the other cop murders. So I don't know if this is a warning against not helping people or a warning to never help people since coming back to help just bit that cop in the butt. Like, hey, look, I wanted to help Mr. Morehouse get revenge against the people who killed him because I stood by and didn't do enough to help. And my compensation for that assistance is to be locked away. Huzzah! The next story is Boys Do Get Bruised, where this little boy named Walter has a really strange power where he can draw a person and then use that drawing like a voodoo doll. We're shown this after he crumples up a drawing of a classmate, which sends that kid out of the movie on a stretcher. Then Walter's well-meaning teacher decides to investigate Walter's home life after Walter won't shut up about monsters. Shh, play it cool, kid. 
And it turns out that the monster is actually his mom's live-in boyfriend. He's this very aggressive guy who actively beats his girlfriend without much cause. Really, this could have been a simple domestic violence story seen through the eyes of a child, but it turns out that the boyfriend really is some kind of demon-like thing. The only rub is that his exact form is never truly revealed, so I have no idea what he really is. And as you might imagine, Walter eventually uses his power of drawing voodoo dolls to kill the monster and save his mother. Now, I used to always wonder why Walter didn't just call the cops and get the abuser arrested, but then it occurred to me, dumb again. The last story was about how cops are not friendly to the black community, so why would this little boy think the police would come help him? Which, another side note here, I know there are good cops out there and they want to help everybody and do right by everyone they can, but there are also bad cops and they can get a pine comb up their ass. Next story is KKK comeuppance. This one's about a senator who used to be in the Ku Klux Klan and he's running his re-election campaign out of an old slave plantation. Which, gosh, this character is lacking any type of nuance or depth. He's just like, <laughs> racism is fun. But the plantation he sets up shop in has a history of an old lady known as Miss Cobbs. Cobbs was a hoodoo-using witch, and the house has a huge mural of her surrounded by all these little dolls. One of the dolls mysteriously gets whited out of the painting, and a real-life wooden doll shows up to attack. Then Mr. A-plus politician man thinks he's literally beaten the doll to death with the American flag because symbolism... And the senator even smacks at the mural with the flag, making it bleed. Sure, nothing weird going on with that. Let's never question it. The next thing we know, more dolls are being whited out of the painting until the trash senator is presumed to be killed by the tiny Avengers. Man, I never noticed until I typed this out, but almost every issue in this movie is connected to art. The last short of the anthology is Hardcore Convert, which covers gang violence. So so there's this guy named Crazy K. He gets arrested for shooting down rival gang members and then gets transferred to some weird rehabilitation program sponsored by the government. But it's not like normal intervention from the government where they're like, we did nothing, but let's pat ourselves on the back and demand more money for our department. This program puts Crazy K in confinement with a white supremacist who brags about killing black people and Crazy Crazy K, of course, starts getting angry until the other jerk, the jerkier jerk, I guess, asks Crazy K what color were the people he killed. Then the program starts this slideshow of racist insanity that ends with the victims Crazy K is killed, similar to a video in A Clockwork Orange. And finally, Crazy K gets thrown into this chamber where the supposed ghosts of his victims appear, including a little girl who was minding her own business when one of Kay's bullets came through her wall. When Crazy K refuses to take accountability for the murders he's caused, he ends up getting put back in time to the gang shooting at the beginning of the segment. However, instead of shooting everyone else, Kay is gunned down and the camera lingers on his body in the streets. After that, the movie wraps up the whole gang member in the funeral home framing device thing, where Mr. Sim shows the hopeful drug dealers that they've actually been dead all along. Ooh. 
It turns out that after Crazy K got killed, the retaliation fallout landed on those three dealers. The retaliation fallout landed on them. Even while looking at their own bodies, the guys are skeptic and they ask, how could this be real? To which Mr. Sims reveals he's actually Satan and they're in the underworld. The end. Whew, that was a long review of a movie. But if we back up and look at these segments as one piece, there's a really interesting message we can pull out. Basically, all of the segments represent real issues for African Americans. Being harmed by officers of the law, extreme overt racism from elected officials, being stuck in situations of domestic abuse. In the first three short films, it's all about getting revenge getting back at those who have hurt you or yours, no matter what the cost. It might be gruesome, but it all feels justified. By which I mean how the movie presents all these stories to the audience, it feels justified. Not that those of you out there listening should start personally seeking vengeance on those who have wronged you. Just want to make sure I get that disclaimer out there. But then the fourth short, Hardcore Convert, has a very different twist. The rest of the movie boils down to saying, yeah, people can totally suck and it can make you feel like your race, how you were born, puts you at a disadvantage. But this last segment is trying to ask, how are you helping to solve these problems? What is your part to play in these issues? You're not a bystander, so if you can't make it better, what business do you have in making it worse by waving around a gun and harming people? Granted, the ending of Hardcore Convert is this weird kill-or-be-killed mentality, but the rest of the short is saying there is no one else to excuse your actions. What you decide to do is on you. That's further reinforced when Mr. Sims reveals that the drug seekers are already dead. Their path to money, power, or whatever will not be rewarded because what they're doing is hurting a lot of other people. The movie's showing that they're not really trying to help. They're not trying to fix any of the problems that are just plaguing the African-American community. That what they're doing is making things worse and there's a punishment, there's a repercussion for that. And so the end result is that those guys got sent to Satan's penthouse. So the surprise, you're all dead ending is really more of a metaphor trying to say that there are so many bad things already after the African-American community that you really need to do what you can to be the positive force. Don't let people drag you down to their crappy level. Rise above it. So the movie is not only telling us that everyone's actions matter and they have consequences, but that we also get to decide if our life story is going to be a great movie or a horror story. But at least in terms of Tales from the Hood and its heavy-handed analogies, it feels like the movie wants to embrace and sympathize with all of the legitimate issues that the Black community faces every day, but the movie also doesn't want to give an out or an excuse. In terms of 
reading film, it gets very clear that even if outside factors are the problem, the solution is to make the best choices you can. And love it or hate it, that's my breakdown for Tales from the Hood. And I actually just saw that there is a Tales from the Hood 3 out. I never even knew there was a 2, so I'm gonna have to hunt those down before too long. And again, this is me overthinking a movie from the 90s to try and figure out what is the with the grain and against the grain reading. It's not necessarily direct social commentary that I'm trying to throw out here. I just really like this movie and I wanted to talk about it because not many people seem to ever talk about this or any other movies with people of color, sadly. And that's really a shame because there's some really good movies out there that are really interesting to analyze. Anyways, I might be overthinking it, but that's literally my job. Well, family members, we're almost done, but I want to invite you to hang out with me in some other places. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as my own personal self, and I have a Facebook page too, but I mostly just post photos over there. And sometimes people say, hey, Megan, I want to mail you something. How do I do that? Easy. Just click the About tab on my channel page, and my most current P.O. Box info will be right there. I also run another channel, The Family. It's really a hodgepodge channel where we might post anything. Oh yeah, and I also sell shirts and stickers and stuff with the family and the fangirl logos. If that is your cup of tea, I have a link in every description of every video. Finally, if you want to help out the fangirl channel and make sure I'm putting out video essays for years to come, the best way you can help is by subscribing and watching more of my videos, whether they're new, old, whatever. Maybe even share one or two on social media, help spread the word. People who watch to the end of videos like you helps to tell the site, hey, this is a good video. We should recommend it to other people. So if you made it this far, leave me a comment of something like, hey, I made it to the end. Love ya. See you next time, family members. Bye.